What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, January 29th, 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Giancarlo Valdez. Hello, Giancarlo. Hey, Greg. Thanks for uh, finally having me. Finally. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you did email me very uh, early in 2020, I think, before I ever got back to it. I'm sorry about that. You know how it is around here. No worries. Um, uh, Giancarlo, I want you to know we were talking before the show. We're catching up here. And we talked so much about Up at Noon that there was a fraction of a second where I was prepped of a, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Up at Noon. Because that's how <laughs> that's how you and I met the most, right? Because you came to all the Up at Noons, it, up at Noons, it felt like, right? For most of it, yeah. I was, I was just telling Kevin, uh, I started going in 2012, which is crazy because next year it'll be 10 years. God. Uh, <laughs> Old Kevin. Uh, I think, yeah, for about a year, year and a half, I, I was going there pretty regularly. And I thought, you know, look at this kid. He's never going to make anything of his life. And then <laughs> I started going to video game events, preview events, and you'd be there. You started making the dream a reality. And look at this. Ten years later, you are a full-blown freelance journalist and critic. Bylines at Games Beat, Variety, Playboy, and Upload. Congratulations on making it, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I like to think it's all because of that slap. Of that one up at noon episode, <laughs> Kevin. If you want to click on the first, uh, uh, Kevin, please show this link there. You oh, can no see way. it. Yes, I have it. Of course, I have this prepped. How many? Very. Yeah, you and Dan Reichert, I think, are the few people who have slapped me. Oh, Kevin McDonald too on camera. But yeah, if you remember during the Die Hard episode, you came in late, so I slapped you on camera, and then I felt bad enough that I called you up and had you slap me, and you fucking hit me. There was, there was a little bit of anger behind my slap, yeah. Sure, well, yeah, because it's that, you know, I, I play fast and loose a lot of times. You know how it is on camera. You got to just go with the punches. So you came in, I made it a bit, I slapped you, and then you you walked away, and I was like, I would be fine with myself getting slapped, but I can't say if somebody else get in. I was like, you know what? Before this turns into a legal issue, come up and slap me, and you hauled off and hit me. Yeah, there you go. Let, let bygones be bygones. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that eye for an eye, right? I think that's mm-hmm. the saying is, is eye for an eye, everybody's fine. Like, that's the way that's, it goes. No, that last part was a little bad. It was wrong. It was wrong. <laughs> uh, so, Giancarlo, how's it been going? Catch me up on the last 10 years of your life. Oh, God. Um, it's been a lot of freelancing. That's that's kind of what, what I've been up to. I'm a freelance journalist and a critic. So, as you said, I've written for places like GamesBeat, um, Variety, Playboy, Upload VR. Sure. Um, and yeah, the whole, I've just been going to a lot of events, uh, at least before the pandemic, like E3, GDC, some international stuff too. Um, I've been to Canada a couple times now. Nice. I was in Australia for the first time like a couple years ago. Um, so it's been a really crazy, wild experience as I try to like go and get that coveted full-time writing job. So yeah, how has that been, I would say, being freelance during the end of everything we knew? <laughs> like <laughs> the industry, the I would have no idea how to give you advice anymore during a COVID time of being a freelancer. Like, I have to imagine there was some panic. It, it was pretty tough. I think for me, what, what really, um, when the pandemic hit, or before the pandemic hit, what really uh, uh, affected me was the cancellation of GDC. And then that's when mm. I was like, oh, shit, things are going down. Because normally I work at GDC. Like, I used to live in the Bay Area, or I would commute from L.A., Sure. Um, and so when GDC fell, you know, all the other dominoes fell. So E3 was gone. All the other like little preview hands-on events were gone. And those are usually the kind of places where I made like the most money during the year, right? Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, because yeah, the freelancers, if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen, at GDC are the hardest working people on our side of the industry because it is you're doing what you're covering one panel for upload. You're doing another thing for this blog. You want to get that interview for your podcast. Like, yeah, you have to get around. Yeah. And so when all that happened, I was like, what? am I going to do for this year? So uh, yeah. there's a few months there where I, I was trying to figure things out. Um, a lot of freelance budgets dried up everywhere as ads dried up. Um, and so, but slowly I've been, I've been starting to do more writing again since the fall. So I'm trying to pick it all back up and get things going. Okay. Uh, what's the latest thing you've written? Where do you want to send people? Where can people go get a sample of your work? Um, lately I've been writing a lot for Newegg's GameCrate.com. Okay. Um, and I just did, like I did an impressions piece on that Resident Evil demo. Um, I just did a guide for Hitman. Um, so I've been doing all sorts of things um, over there. Hitman, you say? Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's talk about hope for more Hitman content, a Halo Infinite deep dive, and a PlayStation VR patent, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to care about. If you like that, be part of the show on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can give us your questions, comments, concerns. You can, of course, squad up to play games with friends. And, of course, on Patreon, you 
can get the show ad-free. You can get it with the exclusive post-show we do. However, if you have no bucks to toss our way, it's no big deal. Head on over to twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. You can watch us record the show live, just like Joshy G 731 Lexi Gunner, and Not The Fake Rozo all are. Of course, if you're on Twitch, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listen listening on podcast services around the globe each and every weekday uh to all the eagle-eyed fans out there earlier yes i was playing with my little mini mule and i dropped it right on the keyboard and everything went to hell for a second but i'm okay don't worry <laughs> housekeeping for you tomorrow is saturday i guess the 30th of january but it doesn't matter tomorrow saturday we are doing a 12 hour, or no a 10 hour 12 hour stream 10 to 10 it's of course uh you know kind of funny sixth anniversary we started with a 12 hour stream 10 to 10 and we are doing once again because you hit that fundraising goal on our fundraising thermometer so of course tomorrow you can come hang out with us 10 a.m pacific to 10 p.m pacific we got some hitman we got some Warzone, we got some fun times and of course the kind of funny podcast am i getting back on the bloodborne train i am i got bucked off you all saw it live on stream i got bucked off but i'm coming back we're getting back into it we're gonna see what's happening twitch.tv slash kind of funny games all day saturday come hang out with us thank you to our patreon producer blackjack today we're brought to you by the kind of funny next gen podcast but i'll tell you about that later for now let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the roper report time for some news we got five items on the roper report a baker's dozen kevin where are energy levels at on this friday for you oh man it's pretty good i'm about to make some hash browns so you know no complaints what were you making before during wandavision you walked over with a big old bowl of something hash browns i was getting potatoes i was skinning them and i was shredding them gotcha I'm getting yeah. ready. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I need to see some photos of these hash browns at some point, okay? I'll get you there, my dude. I'll get you there. Thank you. Uh, number one on the Roper Report, let's talk about the future of Hitman. Uh, we join uh, Kirk McKean over at The Gamer. Uh, we're joining a little bit into his intro here. He goes, we spoke to executive producer Forrest Swat Out Large earlier today and asked if Hitman 3's ending, no spoilers, left the door open for the studio to return to the slaphead stalker. Quote, we're continuously working on Hitman, so we are already looking to the future, Large said. There's also still work to do on Hitman 3 with post-launch patches and the other housekeeping bits. And while IO is still trying to find the shape of it, uh, Hitman 3 will also be getting DLC. Just don't expect new levels like the New York Bank or the Private Island. Quote, we are definitely going to be doing some DLC, but we haven't defined what that is, Large explained. I think for now, we are not looking at new maps like the Bank and the Island. We're more looking at using existing locations and reimagining them, twisting them. And this time around, we can use the whole trilogy. We can look back at Hitman 2016 maps, Hitman 2 maps. We have all the locations, end quotes. In other words, don't expect escalation contracts and perhaps limited time hits across your favorite locations from the entire Hitman trilogy. All, we ask you that. In other words, expect more escalation contracts and perhaps limited time hits across all fa your favorite locations from the entire Hitman trilogy, all accessible from within Hitman 3. Giancarlo, you just talked about working on Hitman 3. I assume you've played a lot of Hitman 3. Where are you at with Hitman 3 before we even answer any of my questions? Um, I'm liking it a lot. I'm, I'm not a big Hitman person usually. I played a little bit of the, the first reboot when it was still episodic. Never <laughs> finished it. I only tried an E3 demo of Hitman 2 from... 2019 and i was lucky enough to get a code for hitman 3 so i was like okay might as well get some work out of it sure um and i'm enjoying a, enjoying a lot more than i thought i would like i'm maybe on the second to last chapter of the game right now okay okay yeah you're right there i i have a similar thing where i talked about on ps i love you when we did the review uh but i was i've done half of hitman 3 uh put it down and i was like i just don't feel that compulsion to replay things i've beaten but mm -hmm. i've since then eaten my words where i've had these things at night where i you know i'm like oh man i got like maybe 30 45 minutes left in me and i see it over there and i start thinking about how i want to reapproach it so i am due to actually get in and, and go back and finish hitman 3 and go back into those maps and actually try to connect with it because obviously i understand the machinations of it and the way the gears all turn and the, the beauty of the machine i was created for it uh but yeah hitman 1 and 2 didn't click for me so it's been interesting to see hitman 3 come out and i think do this siren song calling me back to it in a way that when i put down hitman one and i put down hitman two i walked away and didn't think about them again whereas right now i guess there's so much conversation about it so many people are playing it for the first time and getting into it right and it, it you know it's the first big triple a game of the year as well so i think there's not of a whole lot of 
a whole lot of things going on. Yeah, exactly. It's a great time to come in and soak up some of that. Get people playing something that, again, we all know is objectively good. It's just, is it one of those games for you? But when there's, you know, nothing else calling your name or tugging on your uh, sleeve, why would you get into it? Uh, what's interesting here is, you know, this idea of like, a lot of people are pulling from this Hitman 4 being a, a possibility. We're continuously working on Hitman, so we're already looking to the future. Uh, Kirk over at the Gamers uh, opening talks about, you know, obviously multiple teams since they are working on Project 007, the James Bond game, and then this. I turn to the one and only blessing at eoye jr part of the game awards future class and full-time member of kind of funny and i said what is your take on this since you're mr hitman he sent me back two bullet points number one i'm very excited for what hitman 4 ends up being hitman 3 has been poised as the finale of the world of assassination trilogy which means that with the next entry they're possibly going to upend everything and rework the game and its systems from the ground up which is extremely exciting number two regarding no new maps i'm sad but i get it Making new maps is a lot of work. Adding spice to already existing maps is still exciting. I hope that means that they go beyond just the elusive targets. A big new party event going into I'm sorry, a big new party going a big new party event going on in the map of Paris or maybe an entirely different family slash mystery in the Dartmoor mansion would also be really cool. Or maybe you could even chase one guy throughout all 20 maps of the game. There's a lot of potential for DLC to be really exciting without new maps, and I trust IO to deliver on that front. That's my takeaway from it, too. Of I think we all know how much work goes into video games. And when I say we all know, I mean we know it's really hard in the years and years and months and months of people's lives going into these things. And that's always the problem with DLC, is that you talked about it, you know, uh, Giancarlo, I talked about it with my Hitman 1 impressions as well. I played that first mission, and I never came back to the other ones. I never did any other episodic stuff. And that's often what you hear about with people who make DLC is that they, you know, the game can be huge. It can be, you know, uh, a game of the year contender. I'm thinking of control right now and the control ultimate edition. Right. And when control came out and reviewed so well, and they said, now we're putting out expansions and one of them ties into Alan wake. Oh man, I was so that's awesome. I can't wait to play it. And by the time that dropped, I went to get back in. I'm like, Oh, I don't remember how to play control. And I was like, Oh, bounce out. And now ultimate edition is almost here. I'm like, maybe I'll go back and do it all then. But that's how you have to sometimes make your money back on these things is to bundle them after the fact. Am I wrong? No, I, I think you're exactly right. Like, especially with regards to Hitman, where like each level is almost like, um, you know, it's almost like a Lego playset, right? There's so many different things that can right. that, are, that is going on, and it, they don't have to keep rebuilding and and adding these new um, areas. I mean, that'd be nice, but yeah, like Blessing said, it'd be a lot of work. So they can totally like redress the mansion, redress like the the, the winery and all these other different settings if they really wanted to. And that's the other thing I think, you know, for so many people coming to Hitman 3, in the same way I think a lot of people came to The Witcher 3, but for Hitman 3, you talk about two games that came before it, and you can use any of the maps that aren't the opening one or two from Hitman 1 or 2, and I'm not going to know that I've played that, that that was something I should have played or whatever, unless you go back and play it. But even if you go back and play it, and now they give you new reasons to go in there, new challenges for it, I think you'd be all right. Yeah, and even for me, because I don't own the first two on PlayStation, So, but yeah. once I'm done with Hitman 3, I think I might go back just to see like how it looks like on PS5 and yeah. kind of the, the, the graphical upgrades they added to it. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting take that I also think the IO Interactive slash Hitman fan base get. I think that Hitman is a obviously a big franchise. It has a big fan base, and I would think that the majority of those people are... In, it, on this side of the industry they understand how hard it is to make video games they've been following these kind of things like it's a hitman's a big franchise but it's a big franchise with dorks like us <laughs> like that know what's going on let alone you know you're the people you're going to see at giant bomb playing it over and over again and that how many people giant bomb turned on to go actually play hitman i think you they understand that okay cool whatever like don't you don't have to make a new map but as long as you're giving us new stuff to do we should be okay mm -hmm. so Interesting stuff there. Uh, number two on the Roper Report, speaking of interesting stuff, because that's all we bring you, uh, there's a giant Halo Infinite information drop from you. It's called, of course, Inside Infinite. It's a giant blog post up over on 343's uh, blog, but I'm going to read you some parts from it. It's a giant interview with the Sandbox team, basically. Uh, but let's start with what Inside Infinite is going to be. Inside Infinite is a reoccurring series that will hit Halo Waypoint on approximately the last Thursday of every month. Our goal with these blogs is to provide insights into the game we are making from the people who are making it. Uh, these updates are intended to be fairly high level and will lay a foundation uh, that will continue to build on over the months leading up to launch. 
Rather than make this strictly a one-way endeavor, following each update, we'll ask for community questions on social using hashtag Ask343 and look for opportunities to go deeper with the team and address some of your most pressing inquiries in the following regular community update blog lands approximately mid-month. That's just the start of this paragraph. Again, this is a tomb of information. I think a very interesting way to do it, especially how quiet you've been about Halo Infinite and now with this year-long delay, right? However, we jump into this interview with the Sandbox team. Uh, if you're like me, my first question was like, so what is a Sandbox team for Halo Infinite? Uh, one of the developers, Quinn uh, Del Hoyo, says, the game's sandbox refers to all of the vehicles, weapons, we I'm sorry, the vehicles, equipment, weapons, and objects that the player will interact with. Essentially, all the toys that the player gets to play with. The sandbox also includes all the new player systems and verbs like jump, run, health values, shield recharge times, etc. So these are this is the toolbox, uh, Giancarlo, that they get to go build the levels with. That makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. And then they layer on the narrative, they layer on the missions, they do all that stuff. Uh, there's a whole bunch of information here. If you're a Halo fan, I highly encourage you to jump over there and go be a part of it and read it there. But some of the stuff that I wanted to pull out, obviously, uh, they changed the shotgun around a bit, and people glatched onto that when they talked about it. So the question gets asked of the team, uh, changing gears a little now. After the campaign demo last year, we saw plenty of questions emerge about weapons. The addition of the CQS-48 Bulldog shotgun, which appeared at the end of the demo, garnered some attention because of its unique characteristics. Would you or someone on the team be able to speak to the Bulldog's role in the Halo Infinite sandbox? Uh, Quinn, who we got introduced to earlier, pops in and says, uh, the Bulldog is an exciting new shotgun weapon that is fast firing and fast loading. We have felt that the shotgun playstyle has been underrepresented in previous Halo titles, particularly in multiplayer. We found that there are a lot of players that want to be in your face CQC frontliner, but have never had a more, a more readily available, less powerful, but still effective shotgun that allowed them to play that role frequently across the multiplayer experience. That is essentially the player story genesis of how the Bulldog came to be. David Price, another dev on the Sandbox team, says, What Quinn said is spot on. We wanted to have a shotgun that was not a power weapon. The Bulldog is a versatile weapon that provides the player with, with the role the play provides the player the role of a shotgun and up close play style more frequently in multiplayer than previous Halo titles, as it is lower on the lethality scale of weapons and is thus more prevalent. Similar to that, we wanted a shotgun that embraces the rapid fire, dish out multiple shots quickly. That's where the Bulldog excels. Giancarlo, do you have strong opinions about the shotgun in Halo <laughs> in the Halo lore? Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the shotgun felt like in the last game. So not really, but it's it sounds cool on paper. Like it just sounds like they just want a quicker um, shotgun that people use more frequently, right? A hundred percent. And that's one of the things for me as they jump in and start talking about this. Obviously, I am not the Halo guy at all. I've you know I I infamously just played through no, the, the Combat Evolved. Did not have a great time. <laughs> I, and but I've played what Halo Three and Reach or the other one or whatever. I've played the different Halos here and there. What I like about this and what I appreciate about the sandbox, uh, sandbox uh, conversation that they're having, even though it's not something that's jumping off the page and it's not a franchise that sticks with me, I appreciate that they're talking about change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that got me so excited, and they talk about it, put it in here, but they talk about uh, in this post, was the grappling hook that they showed in the demo. And, you know, Chief sh flying around and doing that. That was something that I liked. I understand halo is in such a hard spot right of it needs to be halo you need you know Snowbike mike and gary witta and paris need to look at it and be like that's halo i love that that's exactly what i want but in the same breath it has to be open for me of like well i didn't click with it before and i don't know why you have to iterate and change right like if you're trying to get out to everybody and I think seeing that, seeing the grappling hook, I, I like shotguns. I do like being up close and personal. I, I, you know, don't like that in combat evolved. And I'm always just with the assault rifle. And I feel like that's where I want to be. And even Tim's like, use the pistol you did. And I'm like, no, I refuse to. I'm looking for something in Halo Infinite that will grab me and bring me in. Is there a chance of that happening for you, Giancarlo? I think so. Because by the time Halo Infinite comes out, I'll probably have an Xbox Series X. Sure. I only, I only invested in a PS5 for now. Um, that's another freelance thing, right? You only buy what you can afford and what you can get sure. work out of. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like, because I have game pass as well, so I'll have it on there anyway. Um, and hopefully this will be the halo that'll bring like a lot of my, my cousins and my friends back together. Cause like my memories of halo are like halo one and halo two and where we'd stay up all night and play like land parties with the original Xbox. But ever since then, I kind of fell off the halo train and nothing's really grabbed me, especially in this like rebooted trip 
or I guess not rebooted, but uh, the three four three times, yeah, like three, right, four, yeah, the new breath, the breath of fresh air being put in after Bungie. I hear you. Uh, speaking of breath of fresh air, there's a couple other things I'm calling out. Again, if you're a Halo fan, tons more to go read. Way more nerdy stuff than I'm going to get into, but top level stuff that I thought was interesting. Uh, they talk about controls here, right? Halos, Halo, Halos, Halos. That my my grandmother suddenly reading the news to you. Halos. Halo is best when the controls feel frictionless, natural, and responsive to the point that the controller or mouse and keyboard fades away and the player is just engaged in combat. Everything should feel intuitive, and we don't want the player to have to fight the game in order to have fun. It's because of this principle and the fact that Halo Infinite will be on PC that led us to rebuild the control scheme system to allow players to fully rebind and remap their controls regardless of platform. How players control Chief or their Spartan is crucial, and we recognize that players feel the most connected to the game when control customization is fully featured. Again, hats off on that decision. I know, obviously, Halo is you know infamous for having a whole bu- you know bumper jumper and uh, sharpshooter and a whole bunch of different layouts and uh, controller stuff, but giving people the ability to go in and do exactly what they want and make it how exactly they want it to feel, obviously, is great for players, but also opens the door for accessibility, which I think is pretty fantastic. And then final one for this one that I thought was interesting. Again, tons of stuff there. A little bit about a beta slash uh, when you're going to be able to play any of this stuff in terms of getting it early and because obviously with the extended launch date. The official question goes, as we look ahead to our launch this fall, what is the Sandbox team currently focused on? Can you speak briefly about the team's remaining work and priorities over the coming weeks and months? Uh, Quinn responds, Sandbox is super busy. We have everyone fixing bugs on our launch content and some exciting efforts kicking off for future updates, like new vehicles, equipment, etc. But we're pretty much playtesting a ton of, I'm sorry, a ton, and looking for ways to polish and improve everything. All of our launch content is in-game and being played daily, but it takes a strong effort to get something from 90% to a full 100% ship quality. So, we are pushing hard to squash bugs and tune our toys so they are in a good spot as we get closer to as we get closer and closer to launch. Parentheses, public flighting before that. Additionally, we are taking time to evaluate the visuals of certain sandbox items uh, with the goal of ensuring everything is landing the way the art directors envisioned. As a result, some sandbox items were pre- we've previously shown might be getting a facelift here and there by the time you see them again. I think uh, the most interesting thing to pull out there is number one, one, this stuff's already in and being used, and they're talking about that final 10% between 90 and 100. Uh, Giancarlo, we just did Gamescast, and we had to make a bunch of crazy predictions. One of the predictions I made, not that I have inside information or I'm betting against them, or even though I guess I am, is that I said Halo would get delayed till 2022. I think Ooh. the fact that they already have this in there speaks to the fact that the gameplay is there, and it seems to be singing as they continue to ramp it up, but what else will happen? Do mm-hmm. you think I'm a crazy person for saying that on the Gamescast? I think people would kill 343 three if it gets delayed to 2022 i mean i'm still shocked that it was delayed a full year because right. you know they're, they're talking all about like play testing uh, i'm sure there was a, a good chunk of game that was there last year but back when they still had that was it that november or fall release date like what what kind of state was the game in at that point to the, totally where you had to delay it a full year like was it still in beta or or alpha like it, it just must be it must have been so messed up where where microsoft decided okay let's actually take our time with this and reevaluate what we have here yeah, and I think, but for my thing with it, right, is that, and we said this to death, and there's a long conversation on the Gamescast, obviously you've heard on the Xcast too, but Microsoft can't have Halo Infinite be an eight. Halo mm-hmm. Infinite has to be a banger. It has to be perfect, and as perfect a video game can be, right? But it has to fulfill all these different things that I think it gets Halo back if to on the road to, if not on its own, establishes it as the Xbox franchise. I think, uh, you know, there's been so many Halos. Obviously, the switch from Bungie to 343s, tough. Not, don't even take, you know, the quality of the games or review scores in the game. It's always going to be tough for someone to take on a project as storied as that and not be the creators of it or not be the company that created it. I think they know that they need to have this game be fucking fantastic. And I think that once, once you pushed it from being the launch title for your new sexy system... Who cares if you push it to spring of 2022? Like you already had, like that was supposed to, this was supposed to be this giant coming out party. If we get Mm -hmm. closer to it and it's still not where they want it to be, that, you know, right here, you know, all our launch is in-game playable daily, but it takes a strong effort to get something from 90 to a full 100% ship quality. I think that they are, they know what they want it to be at 100%. And is the narrative hitting the way they want? Are the cutscenes looking the way they want? Is the gameplay feeling the way they want? You know, uh, the sandbox team talks in here about the grappling hook I was talking about and how at least all, all these, holy shit, did you see that moments? But also the fact that the grappling hook is just one of the new things they're putting in there. There's so many different things you want to put into that arsenal and feel out. 
it's a tall order to have this game come out and live up to all of this hype. Right. Like, yeah, from that perspective, yeah, I can see why you think they would slip into 2022, but I feel like within the first year of the, of the Xbox series launch, like you have to have Halo on there. I think if you let it slip too much, like they'll, the reputation will take another hit and, you know, people are, are hungry for Halo. Like, I think, was it a couple of days ago, um, you guys were talking about how, like, someone asked them on Twitter, like, why is there more information? And then it looks like they're, they're, they're starting to do that. So yeah. hopefully that means they're really ramping up, getting that momentum going, and we'll, and we'll have something more to show maybe by the E3 timeframe this year. Yeah, I do. Oh, you know, we talked about the, the angle you're taking with it. Of I think this Inside Infinite is a great idea. And I think that, you know, developers in general should feel more empowered to go out and talk about what's happening in their development cycle. And I know that's tough because things change and then you get, you put out a screenshot, you know, one year and the next year you don't have that same thing. People throw it in your face. Have you lied to us? You did this kind of thing. But I think establishing this of, Hey, we're going to go through and we're going to talk and we're going to have, have this conversation with you also does lead to, Hey, the uh, inside infinite in april is this giant blowout it is all this feature they've talked about this you know that these aren't always going to be big news like this isn't big news this is fun news and interesting news uh but you can have big news and i think you can have bad news i think you can have established this and by the time you get to the september inside infinite be like maybe not that late but be like hey you know what like we need more time we want to make the game you want and you can Pair that up with good news of like, you know what? We're putting out the beta right now. It's going to run for two months or whatever. And we want all your feedback, but we know that the single player still needs this amount of time. So we're doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how they how they really build on, on these like monthly or bi-monthly updates. And, and now I just kind of want to see, you know, like how um, what Noclip did with Hades. Like it'd be really cool if oh, yeah. I or someone else like was embedded with the 343 team and showed even more like transparency and what the team's going through and maybe like people would be more understanding if they did did have to delay again yeah and that's the thing i think that's what this sets a bed for i think don't get me wrong if you're listening uh, 343 yes hire danny and let danny come (laughs) up and do all sorts of or i guess you can't come up do a bunch of socially distanced interviews and things like that and zoom calls or whatever get the story but yeah i think even establishing this characteristic and trying to share as much as you can without ruining your game or giving away your game does open the door that when inevitably Quinn has to come out or somebody from 343 has to come out and be like, hey, I got bad news. We're pushing. Or, you know, hopefully they don't. I'm not trying to curse anybody or saying they should. I think you get a more understanding reaction. And I think you it's going to be, especially in a post-cyberpunk world, mm-hmm. I think you have a the reaction for most of gaming Twitter being like, take your time. <laughs> Let's get it out there and not have it be terrible. I mean, it's have you walked around like Target or any of those big, big box stores recently? No. I still find it hilarious that if you go to the toy section, there are Halo Infinite toys. Oh yeah. None of it gives like spoilers, but he like, here's the pilot and here's master chief and some aliens. And it's all like halo infinite and like DLC code. And I'm like, what's in the DLC code (laughs) relevant in the next year or so. Can you still redeem it? Yeah. You feel, you feel on that level, right. Of when you're trying to do something that multifaceted, that multimedia where it is the toys in the back of the Xbox box and the Mountain Dew campaign and yada, yada. Like, and again, I think is again a post cyberpunk world in general, but hats off to 343 and Microsoft for being like, no, <laughs> yes, this will lose us millions of dollars and it's going to piss off our partners. But like, no, we're not just going to put this out there. If we put this out there, we'll ruin the reputation and destroy all this stuff and have to apologize forever and, you know, possibly end Halo in a way that we don't want to end Halo. Halo. Like, yeah, in, in hindsight, I'm sure Microsoft, Microsoft is very happy, especially after seeing what happened with CD Projekt Red. 100%. 100%. Uh, number three on the Roper Report, the Yakuza creator is changing roles over at Sega. This is Jordan Oleman at IGN. Yakuza creator uh, Toshihiro Nagashi, uh, Nagoshi actually, uh, will step down as Sega's chief creative officer and take on the role of chief creative director, a move being seen as some... I'm sorry, by some, as him getting closer to active game development as opposed to a supervisory role. Announced in a press release, the move comes among several changes in executive staff at Sega and a wider restructure. Although parent company Sega Sammy makes it clear that there have been no changes in names, locations, business content, capital, or fiscal year end of Sega's company uh, as a result of the changes. 
if you want to get in the minutia, there's plenty of articles up on the big sites talking about how, yeah, they split Sega Sammy stuff into two different departments. It seems like it's just a reorg that I think this sentence covers enough, but there's more if you want to. Uh, no specific reasoning has been given for Nagoshi's or Nagashi's. I keep screaming that. Uh, change in role, but many have taken it to mean the creator will be moving back into a more active development. Uh, he is most famous for creating uh, Yakuza, the Yakuza series and subsequently founding the what is it? Ryuga Gotoku Development Studio, which develops the series for Sega. He also created Daytona USA, Virtual Striker, Super Monkey Ball, and Binary Domain, among many other credits. In recent years, his role has been less hands-on, uh, serving as executive director on every Yakuza game since 2015's Yakuza Zero. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I like I like seeing the creators of something like Yakuza, like all these different games, come back to creating stuff and getting hands-on with it. Right, because normally you hear like all the, the old school developers like retiring, right? Or, you know, unfortunately passing away sometimes. But it's cool to see that Nagoshi is, is, wants to get back in. Maybe he feels like there's more stories for him to tell or more projects for him to work on. 100%, yeah. And I think, you know, th there's a... I think in every industry probably. But I know on our side of the industry, there's always that struggle of getting promoted away from the things you do well. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, you're really well. So you move up the chain. So you have a team underneath you. And now you need to manage people. And you might not be the best manager. You're better at doing the funny stuff on camera. I'm talking specifically about myself. So like this, you know, how do you balance that out? So I, it's nice that if, if this is what it looks like, that there's room for him to be like, you know what? This is something I tried out and I was happy to do it. But I want to go backward. I want to go over there and I want to get back to making games. Yeah. Like, have you played much of the Yakuza series? Yes, no. Uh, as I always joke around about, right, when I was at IGN, a Yakuza 3 was like the first one that came over, right? And I mm -hmm. reviewed that. And so then I reviewed Yakuza 4. And then I reviewed Yakuza of the Dead. And then I was like, I'm kind of done on Yakuza for a little bit. And then <laughs> when I put down my battle axe, Yakuza kind of exploded. <laughs> so like I've I'm right now playing Judgment, which obviously isn't Yakuza, but kind of is. And my plan would be that... Uh, when I'm done with Judgment, I'll play something else. I'm sure I'll play a million other things, but I do want to eventually get to Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm, yeah, I've what heard a lot of good things about Like a Dragon. I've also played Judgment. I haven't finished it yet, but that was like kind of my spring game last year. Like I needed sure. something to play. Um, and that was my first Yakuza-style game. And I really Ooh. liked it just because it was... Uh, I went to Japan for the first time a few years ago. So like playing that game is almost like reliving certain parts of my trip. Totally. They do such a good job of, of recreating the neighborhoods there or that one specific um i'm forgetting the name now. Kamarucho. yeah one specific neighborhood yeah the red light district yeah no totally mm -hmm. that's what it's great at and yeah you know right now after a you know a 2019 that had me on a plane going somewhere every other week and now then it's now this long gap of a year without being on a plane like that's one of the reasons i like it so much of running around being in japan a, a place i desperately miss and then yeah you know the crazy over the top yakuza fighting and the crazy over the top yakuza story that's very much in judgment with them this layer of being a detective on it like i'm having a lot of fun with it but it's funny i talked i talked to you i talked to imran i talked to past me who started it and put it down like it is that game, that judgment, that feels endless. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, uh, 15 hours in. I just did chapter four. How many chapters? There's 14 chapters or whatever. It's 13 chapters in this game. Like, damn. And I've <laughs> like, it just keeps <laughs> going. Like, and I'm just doing the same stuff over. And Jen, Jen was like, "This are, are you progressing? Because it seems like you're just doing the same thing. I'm like, that's what this game is. It's fighting people in the street to get to the next cutscene, to fight people in the street to get to the next cutscene. Yeah, I, I think I was around the same place when I stopped. I was like 20-something hours in, but I was only, yeah, chapter five, chapter six. I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's way more game in here than I thought. Yeah, fun though. But I, it might be one that I, I, I like that I, every chapter does a previously in judgment. Mm, and it tells you everything. I, at some point, I... I, I I would love to think I'm going to go all the way through it, but I have Control tugging me. I have Hitman tugging at me. I have uh, the Division 2 PlayStation 5 tugging at me next week. I might try to get to a chapter point at some point and put it down for a little bit and come back to it. Like I did. I came back, what, three years <laughs> later to it for this playthrough, but we'll see. Uh, number four on the uh, Roper Report, Epic Games has put, uh, the Epic Games Store has put up its year in review. Uh, I'll be reading strictly from that. Uh, there are now over 160 million Epic Games Store PC users. Daily active users are up 192% to 31.3 million daily active players with a peak concurrent of 13 million concurrent players uh, this year, up from seven million million in 2019 monthly active users in december rose from 32 million to 2019 in 2019 i'm sorry uh to 56 million 
PC customers on the Epic Game Store spent over $700 million, of which third-party games represented 37%. Last year, the Epic Game Store uh, community played 70% more hours with a total playtime of 5.7 billion hours in 2020 compared to 3.35 uh, billion hours in 2019. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch of stats. There's a cool infographic, all this stuff. Uh, at quick glance, the features we're working on, wish list improvements, social overhaul, achievements, player profiles, and then they have... I think it's shopping cart. I think they're making they're looking at a shopping cart, but of course I don't play on Epic Game Store all that much to tell you enough if they still don't have a shopping cart. But it's the emoji like this where he's like thinking about something, shopping cart question mark. So there you go. Are you are you an active user of the Epic Game Store? I, I log in occasionally to redeem the free games. They give um, a lot of free games. Yeah, I, yeah. I have done that as well. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in general, my PC isn't very powerful, so like I haven't been spending a whole lot of time PC gaming recently. It's like yeah. it's mostly just been PS4, PS5. But I mean, it looks like they're they're growing right year over year here. Um, like, yeah, I remember the last, oh, of course. The last GDC I went to, that's um, that's when they. I think that was the whole like Metro exclusive backlash. Yeah, and they had a whole like town hall with developers saying like, oh, we're we're going to try and do less of this over time. And, you know, like two years later, it seems like the backlash has kind of gone down a little bit. I haven't Who would have called it? Who would have called it except me and Andrea Renee every day <laughs> on Games Daily? I'm like, everybody shut up about the Epic Game Store. It's going to be fine. Yeah, and go sure enough, in end, right? PC yeah. gaming is still going. Yeah, stronger than ever. And still the best place to play. I'm aware, everybody. I just like you know, <laughs> trophies, all right? Calm down. But yeah, it's it's cool to see how many people flock to it. And yeah, again, you know, you you joke about the free games. I do the same thing where it's like, oh, that's free. And I turn on, I open it up, I go and I click the redeem buttons or whatever. And I have it without ever actually jumping into it too much. Or when I, the few times when I have to link something. I put, you know, obviously with Fortnite, I'm going into it all the time. The Epic uh, accounts and doing stuff like that. But hats off to them. A good year. And yeah, I guess get your shopping cart if you still have it. <laughs> Uh, number five and final for the Roper Report and the week. It's a little fun one for you. Uh, there's an interesting PSVR uh, patent up from Jordan Oleman over at IGN.com. Kevin, if you can show this graphic, that'd be great. I go back to Jordan's article. PlayStation has filed a patent for technology that lets audience members participate in virtual reality content, making decisions for the active player or, you know, just messing with them. The patent was filed in October of 2020, but was recently published. You can find the front page. You can find the front page with a useful illustration of the technology in action on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website. The patent's copy talks about how audience members will be able to participate in games while another user is immersed within virtual reality. Uh, they will be able to make decisions for the player via spectator devices, probably mobile phones, in a manner similar to a PlayStation's PlayLink technology used in games like Hidden Agenda and That's You. In the provided example, we can see one user inside a virtual reality while four friends are on the sofa behind them. On the screen, visible to the audience is a voting prompt, which allows them to pick between a sword, a monster, or a soup ladle. Uh, this choice is registered on the spectator's devices and then sent to the player inside a virtual reality, who sees the prompt, quote, spectators have given you a soup ladle. <laughs> I love VR. I don't use it as much as I want to because of the headache of connecting it, let alone now with PlayStation VR not having a dedicated, and I got the dongle, and I'm not, you know what I mean? But I love my PlayStation VR. I do love my Oculus Quest. Uh, this would be really cool. This would be a way to make it more social. This is, I, I'm surprised after um, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes that we haven't seen more games like this of how do we get one person in VR and then have the other people playing with it. Because I think all the time in the PlayStation VR subreddit, you see people introducing their family to uh, Resident Evil or, you know, uh, I'm actually not thinking of old examples, but horror games in general, right? Or the one where you had to walk uh, across the beam between the big towers. Oh, was it Twin Towers? Because it was for that tie into that old movie. I forget. It doesn't matter. But you see people scaring it. But what it always ends up is one person in VR having a great time and then the rest of the room enjoying their reactions but eventually drifting away from it like making it a more participatory thing i think would be cool do you agree yeah i'm surprised it, didn't, it hasn't happened more yet with psvr because i think was it either astro's playroom or the demo that came with psvr where like other players could be on a ps4 controller and then the psvr player was doing something else like he was a monster and, and the players were like these little creatures there's oh, i'm trying to think exactly what you're talking about it wasn't it wasn't Astro Bot. It might have been, yeah, a one-off thing. But I've seen, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm surprised there hasn't been more of that interplay between regular controllers and and the VR, which which seems to be what this is going for, except it's with mobile phones, right? Yeah, or whatever device they want it to be. But yeah, giving people the idea of getting in there and 
screwing around with each other and, and trolling each other and having it be that thing, you know, taking the playlink ideas they had and expanding that delivery room. That's pretty great. It does, you know, again, I know that like, you know, the Bay Area, I know the Bay Area. It does like make me stop and think of like, if we were doing that here of like, I'm on the couch watching this and then the VR person is what, in the kitchen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who's got a living room big enough to do this? But I, I did grow up in the Midwest and I do know that they exist, even though I can't wrap my head around it right now. It's a cool idea. I hope they do something with it. I hope somebody's doing something with it. Right. And I just got my um, PSVR adapter for PS5, that little camera adapter thing. So yeah. I haven't hooked it up yet, but I really want to try Hitman in VR. I don't know if that's something you had a chance. Yeah, to. is that even up and running yet? Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Is Hitman VR only, From what I understand, it's the PS4 version. So you have to download the PS4 version to do it. And I'm gotcha. hoping the save files transfer over so I don't have to like start all over again, but we'll see. Uh, real quick, Kebabs is saying that we're thinking of the Playroom VR, which is the predecessor to AstroBot. Okay. Well, cool. isn't the predecessor would be just Playroom, right? That was on PlayStation 4. That was Playroom came before in Playroom VR, which then got to AstroBot. But I digress. You're right. Playroom? Wow. Okay. There was, wasn't there? Yeah. The one that came. It, you know, it doesn't matter. I thought, I'm, oh. <laughs> you know, That's no, we're not getting into this argument. We'll be here all day <laughs> arguing about the lineage of uh, this. Instead, let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games over there. Of course, you can get the post show we do after each and every show. You can write in to be part of the show. And more important for right now, you can get the show ad free. Speaking of ads, Greg Way, let's talk about the KF Next Gen podcast uh, over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games and patreon.com slash kind of funny uh, blessing. Barrett and Roger Poe Corny do a show called the KF Next Gen Podcast. Of course, they are the next generation of Kind of Funny. They are doing their own podcast monthly over there where they talk about the things kids love. I think it's fidget spinners and those those straws that go like that kind of crap. They're talking about all the young stuff you kids love. <laughs> they love Robin Hood. They love stocks. They are over there. They got Doge coins and whatever. I don't know what the hell. I, I'm not. I'm too old to listen to it. But you aren't. So if you go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny or Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, you can subscribe at the gold subscription and get the KF uh, Next Gen podcast each and every month. And of course, if you were to use one of those, if you went to Kind of Funny Games or Kind of Funny on Patreon, you did the gold thing. You get all the shows. All the things. You get everything on one feed. You don't have to worry about being on two Patreons. This would get you all the shows ad-free. It would get you all the post shows. It would get you all the cool, exclusive content we do. So please go support the KF Next Gen Podcast. <sighs> Giancarlo, you're doing great. I want you to know that. I'm proud of you, of course, making it this far. I can't wait to see where you write next. But your next okay. article is so far away. If I wanted something more immediate, <laughs> say what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? You'd go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. I'm a lot harder than I thought it'd be. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. My favorite is when somebody tries to flip it on me. I'm like, I don't know. I never read it. I've never memorized it. I don't know. I don't try that. Out today, ReZero, starting life in another world on PS4, Switch, and PC. The Pedestrian on PS5 and PS4. Crashlands on Xbox One. Silver Chains on PlayStation 4 and Switch. Gods Will Fall on Switch. Bonkies on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Another Dawn on Xbox One. Rack and Ruin on Xbox One. Caves and Castles Underworld, Xbox One. Ragnarok Skies, thank you. Uh, PC. Ambrosia, PC. Then Twinfinite reports the 0.6.0 update is now available for all grounded players and brings new bugs, bug-related items, and bug fixes to Obsidian Entertainment's tiny survival game. Then in a press release, Psionics, the San Diego video game developer, in partnership with the NFL, the National Football League, Announced the NFL Super Bowl celebration event that will kick off in Rocket League on Rocket League. Oh, this is a new date on February 2nd on all platforms. This is an in-game event that includes a new game mode called Gridiron Event Challenges and the return of the NFL Fan Pack. I am now moving that down to new dates. That's on me. I screwed up. I'm sorry. Giancarlo, I didn't mean to ruin your episode. I apologize. You're changing everything, man. The, the document's moving. I don't know what's going on anymore. Just don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> look away. Uh, deals of the day for you. Uh, Prime Gaming announced their stuff. Starting February 1st, uh, there will be a five new freebies up for grabs. Uh, Table Manners, Stealth Bastard Deluxe, Spinch, Monster Prom Hot Seat Edition, and Swim Sanity. I'm stealing that from GameSpot.com, a fine red ventures property um of course uh, if you didn't know the prime gaming is amazon prime if you have amazon prime that means you have prime gaming you just have to link your twitch and your amazon to it if you do that you get a free subscription to give away each and every 30 days and we would love it if you gave it to twitch.tv slash kind of funny games oh man if i don't get the plug in giancarlo i explode you know what i mean like i have to get it i have to be part of it 
Oh, uh, let's do some. Well, hey, I'm going to do a quick. You're wrong. Of course, if you're watching live, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games, uh, you can go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up. But let's just knock some out here because I'd asked questions of you. Uh, Mizuki confirms Epic Game Store on PC does not have a shopping cart. E- each individual game must be uh, purchased one by one. That's very dumb. I'm glad they're fixing it for you. Um, people are coming in here. Yeah, I'm seeing if somebody's gonna, yeah, yeah. the playroom. Uh, yeah, so Tim Buddy says the playroom on PS4, Greg was right, uh, was basically a tech demo for the PS4 camera where you can interact and play with multiple, multiple Askerbots. So I was correct on that one. So there you go. Um, yeah, the Playroom VR, and this is Kebabs. The Playroom VR had a mini game. It was called Robot Rescue, and it's literally just Astrobot rescue missions were based off of this level. So there you go. I see what you're talking about, the predecessor. Now I'm with you. Uh, yeah, okay. Anyways, let's do some reader mail. Remember, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can write in with your questions, your comments, your concerns. Let's start with Frank Furter, who says, Good morning, Greg and Giancarlo. Well, it's a new year, and that means new games. Moreover, that also means new leaks, since we apparently can't wait until a release date to play our games. Resident Evil Village spoilers galore uh, are being leaked from a dev build of the game via a Capcom data hack. Why can we not have nice things? <laughs> it seems every AAA game coming out in the past couple of years, other than maybe Cyberpunk and Ghosts, has had major spoilers leaked months ahead of release. Is there a better way for companies to protect their IP, or do we need to just get used to most larger titles having spoilers leaked? Giancarlo, your response. Oh, that sucks. I, I haven't seen... The, <laughs> yeah, you know, be very careful, everybody. Keep your eyes closed. There's articles out. I didn't bother putting in the, the thing, because what are you going to do? Yeah, because I'm not a huge Resident Evil guy, but I did play that that PS5 demo, and I, and I liked it a lot, and it makes me want to go and play 7, so... Um, but as far as leaks go, yeah, I think it's tough. Like big games like Village and and all these other AAA projects, you know, they sometimes have hundreds to thousands of people working on them and yeah. and, and touching them along the process in some way. So I, I have no idea how you can enforce it. I feel like that's kind of a, a fact of life now in the industry. Yeah, it's... You know, Frankfurt, you say, like, you know, is there a way for them to protect their IP or do we need to get used to it? I would say column A, column B on this one, right? Where I think every time one of these hacks happen, right? Because you're talking about the the dev build from the Capcom data hack that we had heard about, we reported on months ago, right? Like, every time one of those happens, whether it's that, whether it's Naughty Dog having Last of Us Part 2, all the cutscenes leaked because somebody went off of the, they went through the online for what was it, Uncharted or whatever, saw the server code and went backwards through it that way, like, Every time something like that happens, it leads to someone else figuring out a better way to do this and build a better mousetrap and figure out how that goes. But while that happens, I think it's also the thing that technology continues to change. Uh, where you're storing stuff continues to change. Now that everybody's working from home, it's changing everything. So I think there is a big part of it. Of, like, you just need to get used to it. Like I do think, and it's been that way forever. Like We talk about this, and there's plenty of games, obviously, that didn't have their big moment spoiled, but then there's plenty of other ones that did, let alone, even if it's not that, it's just the fact of, broken street dates or review copies go out and people are going off of that in the i think of movies are the same way right the amount of i remember in the lead up to Endgame and infinity war having to mute so much because it was like all right cool it's leaked out of this place and somebody has it so just mute all these words do all these things like it is something we all have to be used to and i think it's education on the consumer front too of it's a shitty thing to say but it's just how it is like this morning right of like it's very hard to do games daily, but then also have to stay off Twitter because I hadn't watched WandaVision yet. Like I woke up and I was running late and I'm like, oh, I can get ahead on games daily. And as soon as I opened it, what do I see? A, a screen cap. I'm like, motherfucker, guys. Like I, and that's me. I care so much about it that I want to be completely on blackout. You know, like a couple days ago, they put out a trailer. I was like, I'm not watching that. Why would I watch that? Like it's different for every person. When you talk about Resident Evil Village, my, you know, um, personal barometer of success on that one, right, is like, I have, I love Resident Evil 7. I'm excited for Resident Evil Village. But Resident Evil 7 for me wasn't about the story. If somebody had come in and been like, this is how it's going to end, I would have been like, I don't know who these characters are and I don't understand. Like, I'm there to get scared and I'm there to, I don't know what's going on with the vampire lady or whatever. Like, I'm I'm about that part of it. Does that make sense to you, Giancarlo? Yeah, like, I was the same way with, like, Cyberpunk. Like, it's one of those games where, like, I didn't really care if something got leaked because I don't, I think you said this before too. Like, I don't have a, an attachment to that world, so I don't know the characters. And it's the same thing with Resident Evil. It's just I'm just in it for the mystery. I'm in it for like who the heck this this supernatural family is all about. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, like leaks have been happening forever now. Like I remember when I in 2013 when GTA 5 was about to come out. Um, it, that was one of the first big games I got to review. Like I was with Dan Shu, and we we went to to this coffee shop in San Francisco, and we had like a, a rock star P, PR rep slide a copy of the game over the table. 
Um, <laughs> and like we had the game like two weeks, two weeks before it came out, but then you know, people around the world broke street date and they were able to play yep. to show the game on Twitch for yep. a while. And I remember being mad at that, but it's like, what can you do? Like I have this review that I have to say, stay on until the embargo date, but you know, everyone else who didn't have to sign an NDA gets to play it. So it's kind of like you just have to accept it i guess that's all yeah that's such that was always a struggle at ign where it would be i'd have all this content lined up i wanted to do and these videos and these conversations and then yeah somebody a week or two early is already putting up all this stuff like damn like i had i had plans for that i wanted to you know have a very specific conversation around that when you get there right and, and so you, yeah you just, you just hope that it doesn't turn into like a last of us two situation where people are aggressively trying to spoil it for others yeah exactly and i think that is such and I'm speaking a little out of turn here, I guess. But I think that is such a rarity where, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's very much the Harry Potter thing, right? Of when well, I mean, I, maybe you're reading Harry Potter, I want to spoil it. But when, <laughs> you know, that one book dropped on the day and people were running into random, like, message boards and chats and shout, shouting out, like, this guy, this guy dies on this page or whatever. Like, that is such a zenith and such a paramount of, like, that has to be a moment, like The Last of Us, I think, was for games, like Harry Potter was for that. Like, I think, you know, you could have, like, it's the same thing for, like, uh, uh, Cyberpunk, like, right of like you could easily have yelled the three endings of cyberpunk at me and i would have been like i don't even understand what the fuck you're talking about like i haven't even well, i haven't looked at speaking. anything yeah and that's different gamer to gamer obviously it's just you have to be on there's no way the only person who's going to protect you is you like yeah the companies need to get better about their data and you need to you know i remember i think it was last of us part one right that they drilled into this might be wrong i think they drilled into a demo of and they got all the cutscene titles and so people are trying to piece together the story off of, like that's all conjecture you have to just try to stay away from because usually you can avoid it to some extent but obviously yeah then you have stuff like last of us part two where it is very clear this is what happened and people try to ruin it yeah wait to go on a tangent like did you review last of us when, the, when it first came out no colin did but i mean I, we were on beyond and stuff and so i played it early and i was on discussion so okay, not okay. literally but close enough yeah yeah, because that was one of those games too where like I, I reviewed it and then for two weeks I couldn't talk to anybody about oh, it. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was like, this is such a great story. Like, I need to talk to someone. I didn't really know a whole lot of reviewers at the time. And I was like, I just got to sit on it for, for, a, for a long time and, and wait till people see what this story is all about. Yeah, that's that is one of the, you know, obviously with a wink, the worst things of the job of like when you yeah, play something close. that you, yeah, exactly, that you think is awesome. And all you want to do is talk about it and you can't. And then it's always the thing of, uh, I think, maybe, yeah, Last of Us Part Two is a good example, right? Where I finished it and they only sent us the one copy, right? Maybe two. and then But we got more like a week later. And so like Tim was playing it and he would slack me things and I wouldn't react to him because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want him to know if it was better or worse or if something was happening or what, you know what I mean? Like he's giving me his live feed of thoughts. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Because you don't, I don't I, the, the one thing I don't want to do is ever taint it for somebody. And I know you're probably saying, Greg, you, know, you make these podcasts, you say it's the game of the year, you do all these, you, and I'm like, well, you you choose to click on that. You choose to read my Twitter. Like, Tim just telling me something in a Slack. I mean, I don't want to ruin in the moment for him, but right. this is it. This is what it's all about. What do we got? A couple minutes left here. Uh, how much do you care about the Avengers game? Um, I finished the story, and I liked it a lot, but I haven't really gone back and done a, a lot of the in-game stuff. Like, I leveled up Captain America a bit, a little bit of yeah. Thor, but it's been a couple months. <laughs> You know what? I'll take it. I was ready for you to say you hate it and me to say fuck you, but like I'll take I'll take that's good enough for me. Of course, uh, right. yesterday we spent way too much time talking about the Avengers because I like the Avengers game quite a bit, and despite all its flaws. I'm not saying it's a ten or anything like that. Uh, here's a question from Thwip. Thwip writes in to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, just like you can. It says, "Hi, Greg and Giancarlo. I'm writing in about Avengers. Yesterday's discussion between Greg and Tim had me curious about another aspect of this game's future." microtransactions like you greg i have the platinum trophy in this game and have multiple characters at level 150 at no point have i ever considered spending additional money on this game i'm a hardcore marvel fan and there is just nothing in the store that interests me i feel like that's another problem for them even if they get people to come back to this game what will they spend their money on nameplates i worry that even if the content they add is good parentheses k bishop is awesome adding more characters and content won't really make this game the success square wants Good question, Thwip. Um, I think, you know, the main microtransaction that you go over, you gloss over here is Kate Bishop, where all the characters they're adding to the game are free. However, every one of them has their own $10 battle pass you would get. That is like theirs for life of you go through and you grind out resources and you grind out new uh, uh, costumes and you grind out new nameplates and stuff. I think for returning players like if the game's good enough to bring people back or just even if you want to toss me in there somebody who's not 
I haven't gr- I haven't grinded everybody to 150. I'm not on every night, you know, that kind of thing. A new character is a guaranteed $10 for me. Unless I hate the character, I guess, when I play him in the story. But it's me jumping in and being like, yeah, I, I want to do this. I, right now, the reason Kate Bishop isn't 150 and her battle pass isn't completely expanded is that I just don't want to play the same stuff over and over again, right? I, also, my friends aren't playing it right now. If there's a huge content drop and suddenly there's this rad endgame mission and this rad mission line for me to go through, I'm going to go in there and want to play as her and want to grind her up. And when there's this whole wealth of characters when there is black panther when there is spider-man when there is captain marvel i feel like you'll see the same thing there of people jumping in wanting to spend that there and once that door is broken i think you then see oh well that's a cool outfit i'll get it like right now there's a centurion armor uh, iron man outfit from the comics up in the store with this update that i saw the reddit freaking out about and i was like yeah that looks cool i don't have a connection to that costume i'm not going to go buy it but i i would think about it if i did you know what i mean i'm a big i'm a i'm a cat main the next cool cap costume i'm going to buy like that's how it is and i feel like there's those little things but to your point flip i don't think yeah square the the money square invested in this is going to come back off of the ten dollar battle pass and the cool little nameplate they put out for spider-man yeah i think i'm with them there like i haven't spent any money beyond just buying the game for the first time and like yeah, the stuff like nameplates, um, even some of the costumes don't interest me as much because I feel like I unlocked enough at least for now yeah. to like to like satisfy me. And so like I, yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble trying to come up with something like you know microtransactions are so such a thorny issue, right? It's like sure. there's a delicate balance between charging for something that that players will see value in versus just trying to cash in on like a cheap virtual item or whatever. And um, it's also the idea too that I think, and I, not even I think I know, and I will stay, say it over and over again the store is grossly overpriced. Like they're charging like, what is it? 14 bucks a costume or whatever in there. It's oh, like, Jesus. get okay. out of here. I haven't, and that, I haven't even seen that. And it's that idea that like, if you were to buy the battle pass, you unlock a whole bunch of different costumes. And I, so I don't even know if they did it thinking, well, we'll put it in there at a high, a high amount so that the battle pass looks more attractive. But I think if you were to lower the costume costs and leave the battle pass where it is, I would be like, Oh cool. I'll buy this suit. Like the Iron Man Centurion suits. Cool. And if it was cheaper, I'd buy it. But like for 14 bucks or whatever, and I'm, I'm speaking a little bit out of mass. I'm pretty sure it's 14. It's been a while. And I don't know if the Centurion one is. I can try to get that for you. But like that definitely is where we're at when we talk about the ballpark figures here. And it's like, well, no. But if you look, so you're getting no money from me if you were to lower the cost and arguably mm-hmm. not, you know, make as much off every skin. But I'd actually buy the skins. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a good way to go do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough thing. Cause like I, I do think they're, they were on the right path when they said every character uh, would be free and the, the storylines associated with them but yeah as far as like trying to like make up the money to pay for those things like i'm not the business guy so i, <laughs> I have no idea like how you would recoup those costs yeah yeah and it's not ours to think about too right it's just about us wanting to play it and so do you yeah. think there's anything that could bring you back to avengers and get you into that in game um i do want to try kate bishop i hadn't haven't had a chance um i saw i saw your tweet about the, that hawkeye live stream coming up next month Hell so yeah. hopefully that'll that'll be exciting <laughs> Uh, but yeah, for me, like Avengers is mostly like a solo game, so I haven't really sure. played it with friends much. So it, for me, it's I guess it's all about the story and and how they handle that going forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think Kate Bishop is a great addition to it, but it's a weird way, obviously, to have to force it in. And I think we all agree that it would have been cooler just to have a single player Avengers game yeah. <laughs> on level with Spider Man. That would have been cool and probably made you more money square. But what are you gonna do? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You give me your name, username, platform of choice. I read it here. The best friends come and find you when everybody plays games together. Uh, today, Dave needs help on Xbox. Dave's Xbox username is dmoney1523. That's dmoney1523. What's up, guys? Uh, we're looking for some kind of funny best friends to help my old Destiny clan run some raids. We were hardcore Destiny 1 and vanilla Destiny 2 players that have lapsed since vanilla Destiny 2. However, we've been back since the Forsaken, and all content has been on Game Pass. We are looking for best friends to raid with. We typically play on weekends, 10 p.m. Eastern time, and are trying to do the raids in their respective order. Unfortunately, people only seem interested in running Deepstone Crypt, so I figured instead of the typical LFG, I'd give the kind of funny best friends a shot first to see if anyone would be interested in running Last Wish and GOS. Give me a shout, and I hope to crush the old raid. Thanks. If you want to play raids on Xbox in Destiny 2, hit up dmoney1523. Giancarlo, we ask people watching live to go to Twitch or no, 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 on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games you're watching live. We ask them to go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up. We already went through all the VR stuff and I did the stuff early. So I'm calling that a wash. We're, we're good. We're clearing this. That's done. 
thank you for your corrections. We love and appreciate you. That's it. All right. That's it. Some of it was pronunciation stuff, but the problem is sometimes people write out the pronunciation stuff for me in a way that they think looks right. And I'm like, I don't understand what you want me to say. So we're just going to get into the infinite loop of saying the names wrong. And everybody knows <laughs> I try to be better at it and I do look stuff up and I'm sorry. Giancarlo, you were great this episode. Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. Uh, of course, you still have a post show to do on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Uh -huh. You're not getting out of here anytime soon. Uh, but before we sign off for the rest of people, where can people keep up with your work? Uh, so best way to follow me is on Twitter at books, which is at underscore B-O-O-G-S. And that's where I share my articles and, and other projects that I'm working on. Excellent. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, we have more people coming through to host next week because Games Daily happens each and every weekday. Monday, it's Blessing and Tim. Tuesday, it's me and Gary. Wednesday, it's Blessing and Imran. Thursday, it's me and Tim. And then Friday, it is me and Laura Kate Dale. I'm very excited to finally be on a show with her. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, you and you're watching on twitch.tv slash games. there is more content coming for you right after this. It is uh, Freaky Fridays, Fun Fridays. I don't know if we actually have a name. Kevin, is there a name for it that Snowbike Mike's come up with? No, I don't think so. I'll, we'll brainstorm it right now, right after this. You mean here just without telling him? What was that? I mean, he, he, are you broadcasting the next stream or is he broadcasting it? I'm broadcasting the next stream. I might break everything. Hold on. Mike, it's Greg. You're in this room with us now. You're live on Twitch. How are you? Oh, so Hello, everyone. Pull someone away this like is that. Mike. Mike, what are you? Are we calling the Fridays anything? Do we have, like, is it Freaky Friday, Fun Friday, Casual Friday? What are we doing? Freaky Friday. It's the kind of funny team Fridays. That's what we're calling it. Oh, kind of funny team Fridays. Okay. okay that sounds good enough. Friday. I don't know if I did a good job on that one. You know you what? It's good me. enough, but now you can think about it in live too. Good out of here, you clown. Anyways, this is <laughs> kind of funny team Friday is up next. We're all playing a bunch of games together. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. Of course, if you miss it live, you can check out the new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kind of funny plays. Uh, we have a post show to do over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Thanks, everyone.